Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. This is Chris Gunty of The Catholic Review, and today we're on site up in Freeland, Maryland at First Fruits Farm. First Fruits Farm was started more than 20 years ago by Rick and Carol Bernstein, who wanted to just take their farm, grow the food, and give it away. And they're still doing that 20 years later, but now they've got a new site. Rick, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about your new farm and how you came about to getting it. Well, thanks, Chris, and good, good to be with you. Yeah, so the, uh, the new farm came about really as a result of a period of you know, discernment. After 20-some years, uh, we, weren't, we weren't all uh, 29 years old anymore, and we had a serious discussion uh, amongst you know, the, the, the board and also our um, stakeholders uh, around, geez, um, it's been you know, a fantastic uh, journey with the Lord. Is, was it for just such a time as this, and it's been great, but hey, we're, we're old now, and uh, we'll just have a big auction and sell it off and donate the money to another charity. Do we become smaller and go back in time to what it was? Do we just become part of the Archdiocese, which we've had a great connection with, or, or the Southern Baptist Convention or you know, some denomination? Uh, or do we try to find um, the resources to, um, to enter a new chapter and to be every, every bit as effective as we've been and maybe even beyond? And so after a series of discussions, we kind of all found out that no, everybody c- concluded no. Let's go big for. We're not God. done yet. We're not done yet. God's not done yet. Yeah. So we said let's let's go big for God. And the first, we kind of agreed that there were several things that had to happen. One, we needed to find a permanent home. Mm-hmm. We were spread over fourteen miles at various individuals' properties, and also the property that the archdiocese owned in Sparks, which was mm-hmm. a wonderful place, but it, uh, it wasn't large enough to sustain what we wanted to do. And the location was difficult given its proximity to suburbia and the mm-hmm. deer population and everything else. So that was number one. Number two, we agreed that while the organization had lived its 20-some years all volunteer, um, we weren't sure that that was going to be sustainable long range. All of us, you know, um, I say for such a time as this, we, we had a lot of retired folks. We had folks that had flexibility in their job or at the end of their career and had the financial resources to to give a lot of time. So we agreed that we needed to have at least a couple of core staff positions. And we established that initially there had to be at least two. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was Jen, our, our first, Jen Gillespie, our first uh, employee. And Jen is, wears a lot of hats. I call her sort of our chief administrative officer. She does a lot of things, mm-hmm. um, both inside and outside. And then we agreed we needed to have a farm manager, someone that really would begin to take the reins essentially from me and some of the other core guys on um, the running of a 200 plus acre vegetable farm, which is, uh, as I mentioned to you earlier when we were talking, um, is, is, is challenging. Sure. Um, yeah. When you, you know, look at that, you got this started really just from your connection to understanding the, the biblical call right. to share with others. How did you turn that into reality? Yeah, one step at a time. And uh-huh. I remind kids when they're here that you know, when God puts a call on your life, you know, your, your, uh, 
your answer should be yes. <laughs> and, and it should be uh, one of, you know, Lord, I'm available, kind of send me, what we right. the biblical uh, passage we all know. And then God will, um, if he's really calling you, will, will anoint that. We, I think it also helped to start small. When, mm-hmm. uh, when this took its first big jump, from the backyard garden that was my family's, you know, to Hereford United Methodist Church, which is where a lot of the core volunteers came from in the very beginning. You know, we went from one to two acres, which seemed to be like an enormous expansion. Um, but the thing that was really good about that, and I'll, I say this to kids, is that, you know, in starting small, God will give you what you need. And if you, you know, you're a good steward with that, God provides, you know, mm-hmm. more. It also, in a human sense, allowed us, I think, a greater chance of being successful, right? People like being part of things that are working. I yeah. think if we'd started out with 200 acres, Chris, to your point, right, I think it right. would have been a disaster. Yeah, a- um, we, weren't, we weren't ready for that. And, and God, in his mercy, knew that. Yeah. And so he took us, you know, one step at a time. And I think as I, when I look back and reflect upon our journey, there were many steps like that where God got us to a certain point and then prepared presented something else, mm-hmm. we all panicked and said, oh my gosh, how are we going to do this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the Lord knew in advance that we were ready and that he was going to send others that could help us do that. Mm-hmm. On the wall uh, here at the farm, you have a, a huge sign with all your distribution partners. Right. How do you make those connections and what do they do with the food when they get yeah. it? So those connections have all been built over time. Our, our initial distribution point was through the archdiocese through our daily bread and cathedral street, which is mm-hmm. where it all began, mm-hmm. with me delivering up produce out of the back of my Volkswagen. Um, and then from there, I say, God, you know, so there are no coincidences, you know, just a lot of, you know, divine appointment. I was part of the Greater Baltimore Committee Leadership uh, Program when I was in the investment business, and my mentor was Bill Ewing, mm-hmm. who was head of the Maryland Food Bank, right. and, and lived up this way. And Bill and I became friends, and we talked a lot about fresh produce for people that were hungry and hurting and he was like, ah, it'll never work. And, and we said, well, let's try it that's right. and, and see if it'll work. Because so, that certainly is a big problem for a lot of folks in the city. They don't have grocery stores that have produce sections near them. Exactly. You know, the folks with the rolling, you know, uh, vegetable carts, you know, right. that's, were, that's very right. hit, and mit, yeah. hit and miss. Uh, all of those kinds of things just aren't very reliable. Yeah. And I, so if you can provide something like that, that it feels a great Yeah. Mit. And we felt in the name, right, First Fruits, you know, that comes out of you know, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mm-hmm. But the Old Testament illusion is that, you know, people, farmers and you know, citizens of Israel were supposed to give the first fruits, the very best of their harvest, you know, to the Lord. And we thought, well, why wouldn't we be doing the same thing with people that are hungry and hurting? People that are hungry and hurting don't want to get garbage or right. leftovers. And, right. you know, they like eating the same things we do. And so, to your point, you know, Chris, what we realized as we encountered some of these communities is that, we take for granted in the places we live, you go into a grocery store and they're fresh vegetables, right? And, um, and many of these places, there was nothing. Mm-hmm. And so the, you know, there was no availability and people were used to eating things that really were not very good for them. Um, yeah, a lot of fast food, a lot yeah, of processed yeah, food. Just, and, and expensive, ultimately, too. So we found that this was really a, 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 welcome, uh, a welcome gift. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it allowed us to get close to a variety of these communities and probably the first one we got close to was a uh, man bible baptist mm-hmm. in pimlico and we still have that relationship today a gentleman named john dorsey who still faithfully comes up here uh, usually once a week mm-hmm. with his truck and we've delivered down there as well right 
you talk about, I mean, you're not giving just your first fruits, you're giving your first and second and third. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. What do you, what have you got planted right now and what are you harvesting? Yeah, great it's early, We're talking, it's early August. Yes, yeah, so this is, we, we have now officially entered what we call the vegetable vortex. Okay. Which is early August when all the major crops that we grow collide. They're, uh-huh. they're all maturing. And so we have, you know, acres and acres of green beans coming due every week. We're going to be harvesting actually some today. Coincidentally, we're also going to be planting new green beans today. We double crop green beans because of their short maturity. You can, you can do that in Maryland. We've got sweet corn coming due, acres of it, you know, every week. Um, potatoes, we've, we're getting ready to dig the first potatoes you know, this week. Uh, the tomatoes are ready. We'll be going there later to meet some of the volunteers uh-huh. from uh, Loyola and Maryvale. They'll be picking tomatoes today. So the other major crops are you know, zucchini, um, cabbage. And so there's sort of I call there's, there's five big ones. We mentioned sweet corn, potatoes, green beans, zucchini, cabbage. And then the lesser ones, although they're valuable, um, such as peppers and tomatoes, okay. you know, per pound, those are expensive things at, right. at a grocery store. And most food banks do not get donations of things like that. Yeah. Are those uh, harder to grow? Are they? No. Um, they're, they just take more care. Um, uh-huh. You know, the, the tomatoes and peppers are the only crops that we irrigate, mm-hmm. that we have black plastic. And so it takes us some doing yeah. to run, you know, acres of black plastic. I think in the future... Because we're looking at ways um, to do more of that. I guess people can only take so much of zucchini, Jen, right? <laughs> they get zucchini down. Uh, but initially, we might ask, well, why did you grow some of the things you grew? Well, you know, because we wanted to pick crops that, that people like eating, mm-hmm. right? Most people like all of those. Um, they're relatively easy to grow, and they travel well, mm-hmm. right? We, we, in the early days, we did a lot of lettuce, which was not a great idea. <laughs> it was very perishable and didn't travel well and didn't store well um, and, and had limited applicability, right? You know, how many things can you do with lettuce? Yeah. With, um, with potatoes, you can do a lot with potatoes. Even with corn, you can do a lot. So there were other crops we found were more versatile. Mm-hmm. Well, after the break, we're going to talk some more with Rick Bernstein about First Fruits Farm up here in Freeland, Maryland. This is Chris Gunty, and you've been listening to Catholic Baltimore. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android. And follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. 
New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. We're back on Catholic Baltimore talking with Rick Bernstein, who's the founder of First Fruits Farm up in Freeland, Maryland. Rick, tell us a little bit about how you came to understand that this was your ministry, that this was your mission. Great, um, great question. I, um, I came to Christ when I was in my late 30s and actually had a period of time where I uh, thought I was going to um, enter um, you know, divinity, uh, mm-hmm. divinity career. So I started divinity school. I didn't get very far in that. I was very zealous for the Lord. <laughs> so without going into a lot of details... And I talked to a particular registrar. She was like, well, I'm not really sure, you know, you're right for the school. And I talked to my pastor and he was like, for gosh sakes, Jesus is terrible. And we realized at that point that God was directing me to an, another way to serve. Mm-hmm. And the farm at that point was only a few acres. Mm-hmm. And I recognized um, from that turn of the road that God had something else um, planned. And then from, from that moment, the farm really took off. Um, people stepped forward to donate land, to donate money, to donate time. Mm-hmm. Equipment became available we never even imagined we would you know, need. And so that, that's sort of how it began to take off. And so I, I realized that this was also, in addition to the food aspect of this, because people are, are hungry and hurting, it was a great way to model the love of Christ to people and a great way from an evangeliz- evangelization standpoint to get in front of people. Um, I've lots of friends that don't know the Lord, mm-hmm. and um, we probably all have experienced this, where I'd say, hey, come to church with me. Uh, that, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, we got this great Bible study happening mm-hmm. in church. I think, you know, no thanks. Hey, we got a great Christian concert. You'll love the music. Uh, that's okay, uh, thanks a lot. Um, but what I found was if I said to my friends, hey, listen, we're, we're going to be doing a corn harvest next Saturday, and the food's going to be donated to you know, area churches and food pantries to, to benefit people that really are hungry and hurting. Would you come out for a couple hours and hang out? Most of the time people, if they had the time, say, ah, I'll come check that I'll out. For that. And that allowed us to not only model the love of Christ, but then if we had time to talk about why are we doing this, right? What's the biblical mm-hmm. support for all of that? Why does the Lord want us to, to do things like this? And so even today, we've realized that the, well, the food part is central to who we are, Right, it plays a, a really a very important role in a very important goal for us, which is to sh- model the love of Christ and to share the love of Christ with people. To reinforce that connection between the land and the Lord, Rick often meets volunteer groups as they arrive to work on the harvest. On an early August day, he met with more than a dozen high school students who were with their teachers for a summer camp. A couple things. This, you know, we grow food and give food away in Jesus' name. It started as a small ministry and has become over 200 acres. I have a great relationship with the Archdiocese of Baltimore as our original distribution partner. It's still a very important partner in, in, many, in many ways. Um, so we thank you. We see that with all the Catholic school system here. And we've, 
doing even more with, the, uh, with Dr. Hargens and the superintendent of the schools to think about curriculum um, for this coming year. Uh, we have lots of distribution partners, the Maryland Food Bank and Central PA in Delaware and every church you can think of throughout Baltimore City. And we still deliver down to our daily bread, which is where we started all those years ago. Um, we couldn't do it without folks like you. We have literally thousands of volunteers. This year will probably be 8,000 volunteers that will come out and help us harvest, right? There's a core group of volunteers like Dan and Gary over there that help us do all the planting and taking care of all the plants. But we couldn't do it without you coming out and, and being a blessing. So you're getting a chance to really do what the Lord talks about in Matthew 25, right? It's on the back of my shirt, for I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. Right? It's as basic as that, that we see people that are hungry and hurting, and we don't walk by them and say, oh, well, right? We're supposed to be like the Good Samaritan there to, to, to minister to people. Even if we don't know them, they can never say thank you. That's part of us being right, little Christ on, on earth. We always open and close in prayer on the farm because without the Lord's protection and, and direction, we'd be in rough shape. Okay, great. All right, let's pray. Holy Father, just thank you. What a beautiful day. We've got a nice cloud cover to work in and cool temperatures. And Lord, you're just, uh, just endlessly creative and full of majesty and wonder. And we can't even comprehend um, your, your ways. But Lord, you love us and sent your Son to redeem us and save us. And, and here we are together being um, a blessing to others, as the Lord told us to. And so our garden protect us today. Help us to be uh, joyful uh, in our time together and, and full of energy and just full of wonder as we ponder the simple tomato. What a great creation that is, Lord, and all the other fruits and vegetables you created for us on this earth to enjoy. And so we, we thank you and we pray a special blessing of um, safety here at the farm and also for traveling mercies as our friends head home. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amanda Meekins, a chemistry teacher at Maryvale Prep, was one of the leaders who brought a group of high school students to the farm to harvest tomatoes in early August. We just think it's important nowadays to have the kids give back. You know, they live in such a privileged world where they don't have to worry about meals on their table. They don't have to worry about clothes being supplied to them. So we think it's important to have fun, but to also give back while we're having fun. Right, and just keep the kids grounded. It's very important to see the world around you, especially nowadays. I think we're so locked into you know, our phones and who we are that we don't see the world. So I think it's important to get them away from their phone, yeah. go out in the field. So it's like a couple of the kids have been here before, yeah. but most of the kids probably maybe have not been even on a farm. Exactly. In fact, we passed a tractor on the way here. They were like, what is that? <laughs> and I was cracking up because I live out here. I'm from... Carroll County, but they had never seen a tractor. It was really funny. <laughs> yeah. We talked some more with Rick Bernstein about some of their distribution partners and future plans for the farm. One of your uh, distribution partners is the Diocese of Wheeling, Charleston, right. West Virginia. I know a couple of years ago we had some photos of a whole truckload of potatoes going over to them. Yes. Um, there's a, a lot of poverty in that in in that state. Uh, yes. Certainly, a, a lot of effects of the opioid crisis and, and mind shutting down and all of those things. How does what you provide, while it's a small part of somebody's diet, how does that make a difference for them? 
What we learned from you know, spending time you know, with them, and we've, we have not spent as much time as I would like, you know, personally in West Virginia, we did make a trip to Wheeling and talk to a bunch of folks, um, mm-hmm. was that uh, in many cases, because of all the coal mines shutting down and other issues too, um, people are trapped in uh, towns where the closest grocery store might be 50 miles away. Oh, gosh. Uh, it's really crazy. Uh, and, and yeah, and I've got four grocery stores within a mile of my house. Right. We take so much for granted here. It's what I call sort of the metropolitan area that is the East Coast. But uh, So we discovered that the, what, uh, the folks in West Virginia loved, particularly about the potatoes, um, is they could use them for all different meals. They could use them um, uh, without refrigeration. So they could store them in a, in a cold or cool cellar, mm-hmm. right, or, or, or bury them, um, and they would have them, you know, all winter, winter long. So highly versatile. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, delivering 50-pound bags. I think, Jim, we also delivered 10-pound bags at one point for, for Thanksgiving that went to a town that was really in rough shape along mm-hmm. the Kentucky border, Kermit, West Virginia. Yeah, that was really, really uh, brought a great smile on our face because that was a case where we, um, we heard what they needed. The potatoes were in... Uh, big bins holds about 1,100 pounds of potatoes. So that we, mm-hmm. um, we, they, they told us that they couldn't get the manpower during that, that part of the holiday season to uh, to break them into small bags, which they had done before. So we had um, St. Margaret's uh, a church come and also uh, some folks from McCormick. Over mm-hmm. two days, we bagged, I think, Jen, it was close to 50,000 pounds of potatoes. Wow. It was unbelievable. And the people did so joyfully. It was really great. Uh, and people knew where the potatoes were going. Right. Uh, most of them went to West Virginia, two separate shipments. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's phenomenal to know the stories about this. And I've been hearing about this yeah. for a few years because we've, we've done some stories about them in the Catholic Review. But it, it just boggles my mind that there's the availability to be able to take this land and make sure that, you know, that people get food that really need it. Yeah. Um, well, we've been talking with Rick Bernstein, who is founder of First Fruits Farm. Tell us what's next for the farm. Great question, you know, Chris. And I, I think we, we've, we, we rest in the, the idea that only the Lord knows that. Okay. Um, and, and I mean that sincerely. I think um, we would have never imagined, uh, you know, 20-some years ago when we started that the farm would become this. And I think that's a... That's a great reminder that, you know, that we're to be available to God and unreservedly available mm-hmm. and that he has a, a master master plan. Now, with that said, we are called to be good stewards and use our relationships and our intelligence. And so um, I think what's next is in addition to doing what we're doing with this property, which has allowed us you know, a lot of flexibility, mm-hmm. is um, we've talked about uh, really doing a lot more on the educational front, that this is a wonderful platform to really reintroduce children that are not getting this in the public school system. They are getting it in the Catholic school system, which Mm -hmm. I'm very happy about, but they're not getting in the public school system about reintroducing them to the living God, the Mm -hmm. the God that created all this around us. And as the Apostle Paul says, you know, in Romans, that people will be that excuse at the end of time because God has made himself manifest through the things he has made. And so you, you can't get away from it in our own bodies or just walking around here looking at this table. Or, And so we, we have found, Jen and I have, and the guy, gang have done some experiments this year 
with with some of the school groups that have come to try to expose the kids to that on a hayride we've done. Mm -hmm. And the kids have really responded. Um, They've been fascinated. No one's ever really spent the time to introduce them to thinking that way. Mm -hmm. And I think what would be wonderful about that is part of this opioid crisis we have and the other issues with social ills we have is that we've removed God from the equation in America a long time ago when I was growing up. And, And as a result, the kids don't realize that God has created them as a special being. I, we say to kids when they're here, you know, you have your own signature fingerprint, right? No other person has had that. So the living God cares about you personally and created you like he's created these other things. And so I think introducing kids to that idea, I pray would have them respond, right? And be less prone to some of the social ills. Cause so, yeah, I am a valuable mm-hmm. you know, creation. Sounds wonderful. And God bless your work. We've been talking today with Rick Bernstein, who is founder with his wife, Carol, of uh, First Fruits Farm up in Freeland, Maryland. Uh, They also have a few other sites, including the Archdiocese of Baltimore's uh, site across from uh, Monsignor O'Dwyer Retreat House, which right now is growing hay, you've told me. So thanks so much for being with us today, Rick. Thank you, Chris. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator, who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.